Cleveland. This is Alan Keller from Too Much Effing Perspective, and welcome to a special edition of Quick Taps, short episodes with short stories for short attention spans. Before we break like the wind into the new year, my co-host Alex Hoffman, our producer Gretchen Kilby, and I want to share with you our favorite TMEP show moments. We've been putting out this podcast since August of 2021, and we've heard literally hundreds of thousands of Spinal Tap moments, if not less. And to be (laughs) honest, there hasn't been a dud in the bunch. Well, that's right, Alex. But today, the three of us are going to focus on stories that really plow our bean fields, poke... Okay, why did I end up with this? (laughs) Poke our hay and sniff at our feed bags. That's why I don't give you the script before we record. Yeah, I noticed. (laughs) Anyways, to start us off, our seldom heard until just now, but never ignored producer Gretchen Kilby is going to talk about her favorite Spinal Tap moment from Slater Kinney's Corn Tucker and Carrie Brownstein. Thank you, Alan. The moment that I picked is based on the work I do here on this podcast, which is I slice and dice the audio to get us to our perfect episode. And so that means I listen to some of these episodes a lot. So (laughs) my bar for the best story means they are funny every single time. And this one definitely hit that mark. This is starting off with Corin Tucker, where she's talking about when they went and performed at Red Rocks. It's a gorgeous venue built into these very red stones in the walls of this beautiful canyon. Very famous. Every big rock act of the 70s and 80s has done it. Backstage is up above the main stage. There's this weird little cave you just take a little stairway up to. And it's built into the side of this mountain, this canyon or whatever you want to call it. But it literally is a cave, right? So you open a very heavy door and it's several rooms, cave room here for the crew. And then, you know, there's a couple of rooms for the band, but it's this long, windy cave where they had to bring our wardrobe cases up here and bring all our stuff back there. And But it was, we were just ecstatic to be there. There's pictures of Stevie Nicks on the wall and talking about Fleetwood Mac being there, every famous person all of these amazing package shows they had in the 80s. We're like looking at all this before we play. The weather is, for this show, beautiful. It was a gorgeous night, wasn't it, Carrie? Yeah. Wait, are we you setting have... up for something to go wrong? Because I feel like it was a good show. No, after the show, remember? No. Oh, all right, let me tell, let's just tell okay. the story. Okay, so we're <laughs> so we play this amazing show. I have friends out in the audience. Our drummer has his entire family there. I don't know where you're going with and this. And we play this incredibly beautiful show. We're like high on life, but it's still COVID, right? So right after the show, we have to go up to our dressing oh. room, right? We can't be mingling out there. We're like doing very strict protocols, right? So we obediently go right back from the stage into our dressing room, which I mentioned before is like a cave. And we open that door and all five of us, all six of us in the band are just like, yes, we did it. We played a great show. We walk into that dressing room and someone has taken the biggest dump. That's right. Like oh. epic. And it's the tiniest space. There's no windows. It's inside of a cave. We walk in there and it's like particulate. It was so disgusting. It was like walking into 
an outhouse. <laughs> I loved also knowing that it had to have been someone we knew that was taking that opportunity while we played to have a private moment. Private Wait, moment. I, it was it in a toilet or was no, it? No, 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 no. It was in the toilet, but I'm saying oh. like the whole dressing room was like a tiny tin can inside of a cave. Yes. Yeah, the glamour so and the was- squalor. They sit side by side on tour. They really do. <laughs> they really do. And now my chum of three decades, and I've known him four. <laughs> Ugh, sick. <laughs> Ouch. And the left brain of the podcast, Alex, is going to reveal his favorite Spinal Tap moment that spilled from the lips of old 97's Rhett Miller. Yeah, this episode is one of my favorites because I felt myself smiling all the way through. And this story in particular demonstrates how Spinal Tap moments can pile up on top of each other. Let's listen. There was a a television appearance that we did recently. Like, you would think that the most Spinal Tap moments would have happened in our wilder, younger years. But there was one, it was a Conan O'Brien appearance that we did for Graveyard Whistling. It's a song called Good With God. And Caitlin Rose flew in from Nashville to sing the Brandy Carlisle part. I was staying at my friend Tom's house, our old A&R guy from Electra, And the band was all staying at that hotel on uh, Ventura Boulevard that everybody stays at. Sportsman's Lodge. Sportsman's Lodge. All right. And so the band was staying there. And 8 a.m. I get a phone call. God, not even 8 a.m. Like 6.30 a.m. I get a phone call from uh, our guitar player, Ken. And I guess during the night, our drummer, Philip, went out to the van to catch a little pre-bedtime buzz. And um, like, I guess it's still in our minds being these Texan kids from the 90s that like we will go to jail. And he's just like smoking a weed out in the van when you could just <laughs> fucking go to the police station and do it. <laughs> And so he gets out of the uh. van. God, I don't know if this is public consumption. Whatever. It's fine. His kids are in college now. And um, he goes out to the van and he blacks out like a low blood sugar thing. Oh, no. And yeah, he falls forward and he hits his face on an embankment and passes out bleeding in the parking lot for like a half an hour, gets up covered in blood, goes into the sportsman's lodge lobby where the front desk attendant is like, you are going to the hospital, sir. Oh, no. So they call our tour manager and our guitar player, and they all go down to the emergency room. Our drummer is in ICU. It's bad. He cracked his skull. He's fine now, so we can all laugh about it. But at the time, it was Wait a minute. Sorry, I'm sorry. Skull, like skull fracture, literally? Yeah. Are you, yeah. you saying? Wow. Yeah. Boy. Okay. But so that morning, I called Mark Stepro, this friend of mine who's a great drummer in LA. Stepro's like, I'm on my way to the studios right now. We all played together for the first time at 10 a.m. during soundcheck. At noon, the director came by and listened to us play it. And Mark killed it. And Caitlin Rose sounded great. The band was all freaked out because we were worried about Philip. But we make it through the director run through. And then as we finish, the guitar player, Ken, goes, I need to have a band meeting right now in the green room. Murray, the bass player, and me and Ken go into the green room, close the door, and he locks it, which is very weird. And then he turns around and he goes, guys, I'm freaking out. I'm tripping balls. He goes, I was really tired and I was packing up Philip's stuff to get out of the hotel room. And he had these espresso beans. And I was like, well, I'm hungry. They're chocolate. They're espresso. They'll wake me up. It'll be great. He's like, I ate three or four of them. (laughs) And Ken, our guitar player is not a big stoner. And he's like, 
I don't know if I can do this, guys. I am starting to see colors and hear shapes. And we still had like three hours before the taping. So I sent him to our friend's house and I said, you're going to take a nap. Then you're going to take a shower and you're going to come back here with a full reset. And you're going to do great. Everything's going to be fine. So Ken went back. He took a nap, took a shower, came back right before we went on. He walked in, just eyes like saucers. We did the song for the taping. It was great. And you can see it now, although I think the Conan people have taken down all the old archives. But you could see it on the tape. When Conan walks over, like he always does, he walks straight to the guitar player, always, because he's a guitar player. And he walks straight to Ken with his arm outstretched to say, great job, I love your guitar. And Ken turns away from Conan right as he gets to (laughs) Ken. And he sticks his arms up in the air like Rocky at the end of the movie. And he's like, yes, because he didn't screw it up. He made it through the whole song, even though he was still tripping balls. But um, yeah, and we're old. I mean, this is a man who at that point was in his 50s. So yeah, it's a little sad. That's embarrassing. (laughs) Thank you for telling that story. (laughs) That is one of the best. As for my favorite TMEP show, Spinal Tap moment, it wasn't just some recollection from the past. It happened live during our conversation in the moment with semi-sonic singer-songwriter, say that three times fast, Dan Wilson. Semi-sonic singer-songwriter. Semi-sonic singer-songwriter. Semi-sonic singer-songwriter. Your collaborations with Adele, Taylor Swift, John Legend, and Pink Remind me of the days of the Brill Building in New York, right? Where songwriters right. like Backrack and David and Lieber and Stoller churned out timeless classics for other artists. And I know you actually got to collaborate with probably the greatest songwriter of all the Brill people, Carol King. That must have been amazing. How did it come about? Uh, well, it got hooked up in a funny way because my manager, Jim, was talking to my publisher, John. And they were having some kind of argument about recouping or percentage points or some sort of like it was a <laughs> prickly business discussion. And my publisher, John, said, oh, Jim, can you hold? And he put Jim on hold and he came back and said, um, would Dan want to write a song with Carol King? <laughs> Bait and switch. And <laughs> the entire, you know, like the contentious part of the conversation vanished. And yeah, of course. And he goes, OK, hold on. <laughs> so he puts him on hold again, comes back and says, Oh, she'd love to. She likes that song, Closing Time. She'd like to write a song with Dan. So I ended up on this writing session with Carol. So we met in a place in Studio City. I don't know. Was it a house? It was a house with a kind of a garage in back that was sort of a studio space, but it was not. Dan, that's my house. Ah! (laughs) Unbelievable. Yeah, this place where I'm broadcasting from right now was Carol's daughter, Sherry Goffin's place, until I rented it. And back then it acted like a business office for Carol. So when I came to look at the place the first time to check it out before renting, all of Carol's gold records and awards and a rock and roll plaque were decorating the walls. And the separate space in the back, which is now my wife's art studio, was originally a recording studio. But it wasn't like tricked out like a studio. It was like a couple of DA88s. Yeah. It's like very minimal. That's my. That's where I live. <laughs> that's incredible. That's incredible.
And finally, to end the year, a story from our pal Zia McCabe of the Dandy Warhols, which wasn't exactly a Spinal Tap moment, but it so encapsulates the spirit we'd like to impart during the holidays that we frankly could not leave it out. Get your hanky or your Wendy's napkin or your piece of TP ready because (laughs) you may tear up here. I grew up in a log cabin that my dad built. You know, one of my best memories is Redheaded Stranger being on on Sunday and me being big enough to bring my dad his coffee in the morning, right? Feeling really like I didn't spill it. And that's how far back Willie Nelson goes for me. And we were playing Glastonbury, our first time at Glastonbury Festival. And my hair had just grown back long enough to put in braids. So I was putting it in two braids going, oh, it's like Willie. And someone comes up to me and goes, Willie Nelson's on the main stage. It was like two in the afternoon. And I am like, drop my shit. What? And I remember trying to change my pants where you, tr- you think that one time you can change your pants without taking your shoes off. <laughs> it, ne- <laughs> it never works. No. Never- You're stuck halfway. Now it takes twice as long. I'm getting my pants, getting nothing. I've got my bubbles. I've got my stuff. We get over there and there's, it's super sparse. There's hardly anybody watching because it's Willie and, and Glassenberry. Amazing. He's not a cultural icon there. And I am watching him and he's got trigger guitar and I start bawling. I couldn't believe, and his music was infused in so many of my childhood memories on the Stardust record, all of it. I never, there was never any love lost for Willie, only more love every year. And I'm blowing bubbles. I don't know why I was so into bubbles at the time, but I, I, blew, <laughs> I blew them all over David Bowie's stage that night too. You can see him if you watch the videos. Oh. Um, and he walks off stage and we're on the second stage. And Travis, my husband goes, go say hi to him. And I'm already in such an emotional state. And so I make myself go over there. And by the time I get to him, I am completely hyperventilating. I cannot get a word out to this man. And I'm going, I, I just, 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 and I can't, I can't get the words out to tell him how much I love him, how much he means to me, how amazing it is that he's playing here that we're going to go play on this other stage if you want to come over (laughs) i'm trying to get all these things out he hugged me and i couldn't believe that he would hug such a snotty tear-covered freak right (laughs) like i seemed like where is security why is somebody not stopping me from being in this guy's (laughs) face right now And I leave just humiliated. I'm so embarrassed. I've blown this chance to have an authentic interaction from one musician to another who grew up caring so much about him and his music. And as I'm walking down the path to the other stage, I'm thinking, and we're just coming up, right? We're just starting to be touring in Europe. And I'm like, you know, there's no way anybody could ever care about me the way that I care about Willie, right? There's just, I, I haven't been around long enough. I'm, I'm not Willie Nelson. I'm never going to be Willie Nelson. But if anybody ever approaches me in that state, I am going to show as much grace and compassion and understanding as Willie did. And that's my thing I'm going to decide. And so we had been giving out these straw hats, little straw cowboy hats with Dandy Warhol badges on them as part of our like promo merch. And We sit with a friend from the label and he brings us some um, absinthe. We're drinking just a little bit of absinthe in the afternoon. We get on stage. We're playing our show and it's been kind of cloudy off and on all day. And we start to play good morning and it just touches me the way that it would touch an audience member. And the clouds started to part and the sun came out. I could see people hugging each other in the audience and like balloons floating off into the sky. And it was just this beautiful 
magical Glastonbury moment. And at the end, I get on the mic and I'm like, you guys, it's so beautiful to see you out there. I just met Willie Nelson. David Bowie's side stage watching our show at this point, right? We haven't met him yet, but that's all going on and I don't even care. And I just thanked everybody for being so beautiful and for having us there. And I was so filled with gratitude. And maybe the little bit of the absinthe made things sparklier, but I wasn't inebriated, right? And I walked off the stage feeling like I couldn't possibly feel better about life. I blew it with Willie, but I still did meet Willie. And there's a cyclone fence separating us from the audience. And there is a girl on the other side losing her shit. She's bawling. And her friend is with her. And I'm like, what could possibly be wrong today? And I walk over. Her friend is like, she loves you so much. She's just completely freaked out that you're here. She can't even believe it. She's just such a huge fan. I'm so sorry that she's like so upset. And I'm like, hold on. <laughs> like, <laughs> I got you. And I came around the fence and I put my hat on her and I held her. And I said, look, I don't understand this. I can't possibly understand how you could feel this way about me, but I do know how you feel. I just met Willie Nelson. <laughs> he treated me with the same kindness, and there is no way that I thought literally an hour and a half later I would be fulfilling this promise to the heavens that I had made to be this compassionate rock star and not a stuck-up rock star that didn't want to be close to their fans. And that has stayed with me, and it is the way that I have treated the people that love me and love my music for all of these years, because I still hold out hope that one day, again, I will actually just get to meet Willie in a casual manner and pass a joint and not be a complete mess. <laughs> but I do appreciate the gift that he gave me. Thanks for making 2022 anything but a hellhole for the entire TMEP team. We had a blast talking to some of the nicest people in the biz and sharing our own Spinal Tap moments with you. Tune in over the next several weeks for some TMEP rock and roll recreations as we revive our best episodes from the past for your listening pleasure. At the same time, we'll be gearing up with some brand new guests like perhaps maybe Lizzo, Bono, Axl Rose, Cher, Mozart, Hemingway, Shakespeare, Michelangelo, and even the guy who created the Coke I'd Like to Teach the World to Sing campaign Wow! on the 2023 edition of Too Much Effing Perspective. Bye-bye. Although it would be as great as having armadillos in our trousers, this podcast is not affiliated with This Is Spinal Tap, and no person or entity connected with the film has sponsored or endorsed its content. This podcast is not affiliated, sponsored, or licensed by Authorized Spinal Tap LLC or Century of Progress Productions. Too Much Effing Perspective is a Milwaukee Talkies original. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian MacKay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Evergreen Podcast Network.